0: It's
1: like it's hilarious. <laughs> Okay.
0: This is mad. Okay, everyone. Good evening. My kids like to
2: See,
0: My kids to hand me my glasses, That's look at Are you? Yeah, I'm sure you look Okay, is there a spare
1: copy there? Yeah. Okay. There copy yeah. There?
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, so
2: Okay. Okay. So everybody who's
1: on the on the WhatsApp group should have got the the bit of text that we're going to read from. Uh, if you haven't got it, just let me know. We'll send it on to you. Um, okay, so we were looking at this brocha shalah Asani isha and trying to get a, a broader perspective on how people see it with all the controversies and different uh ashkafik approaches, and so yeah, we wanted to look at a, uh, an explanation that uh, is written in the in the in the book of this or the Sefer, which was which has the Teachings of Rav Shimon Schwab, and on his siddur, which is um, a great book about Schwab on prayer, and so he has um, he has an interesting take on on why the brocha is in the negative. Shalom asani, something that you you know you, you take you take a certain pride in not being like somebody else, um, and so he uh, on page thirty of his Sefer, he um, he wants to give us a, uh, a perspective. So he starts um, as follows that uh, he says he quotes uh, here the triple brocha, the set of three brochures Shiloh Sani Goy, Sani Ave, Shiloh Sani Isha. So Rav Shimon Schwab writes the Rudelheim Siddur has the text here as Shiloh Sani Nochri, instead of the generally accepted Shiloh Sani Goy. Um, however, this was a relatively recent innovation by Wolf Heidenheim and Dr. Baer of Bibridge and one other scholar. These authorities were of the opinion that goy would simply mean nation and would not convey the meaning non-Jew. They therefore changed and heretofore accepted the word goy to nohri. However, this was not widely accepted because the word nohri only means stranger and a strange person another group. But the word "goy" in the language of the sages is definitely used to convey the meaning non-Jew. So it's interesting that uh, a number of people that have actually, um, I guess they are in the minority, but um, I know of a number of other mafashim who prefer "nochri" to "goy," because "goy" can be anything. "Goy" can be Jew and non-Jew. So if you're going to say, you know, chad b'aretz, you know, um, you say every time you dive in mincha and shabbos. So. Then in order to create a differentiation where it's really using a word nohri, some people prefer it. But I think that is in the minority and that the, the classic uh, sidurim have, have Shiloh, Asani, Shiloh Asani goy." Some say that, you know, "goy Echad baaret" is a little bit different because it's got "goy Echad, um, you know, as one nation, meaning specifically referring to the, the Am Yisrael. But nevertheless, this is the actual between a number of Mepharshim um, and the Siddur, whether it's better to say Nohri or Goy. So I think Rav Solveig actually preferred Nohri, um, but I would say the classic is uh, Shiloha Sani Goy. Okay, fine. Um, he makes mention of this over here. We'll proceed on to... Um, yeah. It, okay, he writes... Um, there's another version of this brocha which I found in the old city of Hertz, Shliach Tzibur, with the word Shasani Yisrael. This is also not in accord with our Gemara, so we will retain the generally accepted version, Shlowa Sani Goy. It is interesting that I mentioned last week that um, there, uh, there is an opinion in the Gemara. Rabbi Mayer has Shasani Yisrael. Um, and um, it's interesting, there are a number of Befarshim, classic Befarshim. Who who write this? And among you know the governor of Vilna actually preferred Shalsani Israel. It it sounds like from his bureau in Shulchan Aruch. Nevertheless, we would uh, we would agree that the, all the classics in the Riem have Shalasani Shalasani Goy. Um, okay, so yeah, this is his kiddush. I think he quotes it from the from the from the Taz. Uh, this particular kiddush. So let's have a look. Why is it in the negative? So Rosh Hashanah It's important to understand why the sages expressed the three brachot in the negative. Shelo asani goi, shelo asani avet, shelo asani isha. Why not say shasani yisrael, shasani bnei chorin, shasani ish? Just as a woman actually, just as women actually do say shasani kisunor. The reason given by the Bach in Orachaim is based on Eiruvin, where the Gemara daf Yigman Rabbeinu says. There's a dispute which persisted for two and a half years between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel as to whether Noach Adam Yoter mi which uh, which means as follows that there was this philosophical debate between Beit Hill and Beit Shammai with regard to the nature of how we see Hashem creating the universe. In in other words, did creation work? Did it pass? Because you're trying to look at humanity and take a uh, you know an overview of how humanity fared during the 5, and whatever eighty years that we've had. Um, so how have we done? How's it gone for you, Hashem? You know, is it a good exercise or not such a good exercise? Mm-hmm. So Baicham and Hira, already argued that point out all those years ago. And um, they basically came to the conclusion that humanity had not passed the test, which would mean less than 50% of people actually were worth having.
0: Humanity as a whole? Humanity,
1: a whole? Okay. Yeah, humanity, humanity as a whole. Um, and so as an exercise, there's there's more evil than there is good. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, some, that's somewhat interesting because we know the Rambam's comment in Hilchot Shuvah that if the world would be at that point where there would be more evil than good, then the world would be destroyed. Mm-hmm. So exactly how we dovetail those two comments need to needs to be worked out exactly but in principle the idea was that the world exists almost as a hook you know as a as an irrational exercise rather than a rational one irrational in the sense that uh, we're not sure we are why, why we have this around because there's so much more evil than there is good so so when this debate was had is it good for a person to have been created, you know, or not? That's the, that's the question. Is it better that you weren't created or better that creation went ahead? What do you say? So they argued this, you know, collecting perspectives for two and a half years, they had this big debate Eventually, they came to the conclusion that it wasn't a good idea that mankind had failed. Not sure why two and a half years. I'm not sure what, what, what is uh, what's hinted in that concept, but either way, that's what they, they came up to the conclusion that and that's what he writes over here as follows. Um, since a person comes into the world and commits so many averot wasting the precious neshama which Hashem gave him, uh, it might it be not better, as far as Kirush Hashem is concerned, if he were not created at all. I think he's I think he's throwing in that phrase as far as Kirush Hashem is concerned to, to try and I think diffuse what I was telling you about in the Ramban, and the world should just disintegrate, mm-hmm. if that's if that's true. Eventually the matter was decided by a vote that it indeed would have been better for most people other than Sadikim if man had not been created. However, Achshav Shanivra. Now that man has been created, if for myself, he should make the best of it. He should examine his deeds and try to improve himself to the best of his of his ability. So we therefore do not express the bracha in the positive, Shasani Israel. Instead, we say that under the circumstances we are thankful, Shloah uh, Shasani Goy. You know the question of whether Ger would actually say Shasani Israel is discussed by the Poskim. So these three brachas have caused. Okay, so that's where he, um, he, that's, that's that's his suggestion based on the Bach. He says, yeah, that because the because the psak was given that it's better for a human being not to be created. So this gave rise to the negativity in the brochus. So you know, at least I wasn't this. At least I wasn't that. At least, I, and that's why apparently he, you know, that they were satisfied with the the matter being stated in the negative. So, these three brocha- So okay, that's what he says. These three brachas have caused quite a stern, much criticism. It sounds as if we are arrogantly expressing our superiority, that we are not non-Jews, slaves, or women. And this applies especially to women, since it smacks of male chauvinism, especially in our time. However, upon deeper reflection, we get a much clearer picture of what this means. Does Asani mean that Hashem did not make <inaudible> me like Mithushelach, the tzaddik for whom the was postponed for seven days or like Noach, who's called an ish in whose merit all present-day man can't exist or like shame and Aver, who were teachers of yitzhak and Yaakov, or like hitro who was honor an entire parsha was added to the torah or like Eov, who was called avdi iov so when we say slasani goy is that what he's saying Are we saying that we, we thank hashem and we think of a guy that looks like these great people uh, the same the same Logic he tries to extend to Shaddai Sani Aved. You know, do we praise Hashem for not making me like Eliezer, the servant of Abraham, of whom it says, b'chol which is explained by Rashi to mean, b'Yitzro who ruled over his eight just as his master Abraham did. Furthermore, Eliezer was known as domestic Eliezer because rabo he watered the world with the teachings of his master Abraham. This Eved was to miracles in his search for a bride for Yitzchak. What does it mean that Hashem did not make me like Tovi, the servant of Rabban Gamliel, whose master testified that he was a Talmud Chochem and, a, and was worthy of smicha? Would Rabban Gamliel call any one of us a Talmud Chochem? Or does it mean that Hashem did not make me like Amtad Vairabi, the handmaiden of the house of Rabbi Judanasi, to whom the sages would come with their questions? Mm-hmm did not make me a woman like Sarah Rifka, Rachel, Leah, Devorah, Esther. It is therefore clear that these brochos do not represent the arrogant and eminent superiority of a Jewish male over a non-Jew, a servant, or a woman. Rather, they express thanks to Khoshbarakhu for the special opportunities of mitzvahs, which a Jewish male was granted, more than those assigned to a non-Jew, only a seven, um, of B'nai Noach even if he is not a righteous person, a servant who has mitzvahs like a woman, even if he is, he, he is Eliezer, uh, Ever Avram, and who hasn't made me a woman, who has all mitzvahs except the few mitzvahs, the time-bound mitzvahs, even if she is devorah, the prophetess. So even if these individuals voluntarily perform mitzvahs from which they are exempt, the award is much less than one uh, who is mandated to perform them. Chazal called this greater is the person who is commanded, greater is the reward to the person who does a mitzvah they were commanded um, than one who does a mitzvah voluntarily. Uh, Toshis explains this this based on the fact that the person who is mandated to perform a mitzvah has a constant struggle with the Yetzorah. Thus, the greater the temptation to violate a mitzvah, the greater the reward for uh, performing it, so this goes contrary to our simplistic notion that one should be entitled to a greater reward for volunteering to do a mitzvah than if he were commanded to do so. Our ego, our ego, our nature prefers that we do things out of the goodness of our heart rather than because we are required to do so. However, as far as mitzvahs are concerned, the opposite uh, is true. So, um, okay, so that's that's. Uh, that's his take on this, uh, on this particular set of brochures why they were in the negative. So again, basing his, 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 his explanation on the Bach, who's telling us that um, that Gamorrean Erevin puts all of humanity on the back foot, and therefore to say a brocha that you created me goes against the grain because the majority of people, it's best that they shouldn't have been created because you put into a test which you're not gonna pass. You know, so you know that's the that's I think the understanding of what it means here. Uh, to put it to put it a little bit more uh, in Lomdisha terms, there's a there's a kiddush uh, of Rav Yosef Engel that goes along the following lines. Um, just trying to think how he starts it off again. Um, Yeah, so Am Yisrael come out of Mitzrayim um, and they arrive in Mara, this place where the water isn't drinkable, it's too salty or sour, or, until they turn it sweet by throwing in some sour tasting bark. And at that point in time, Am Yisrael sort of quietened down and the place of Mara is represented in the name, the bitter waters were turned sweet. And there, Akosh Baruch gave Am Yisrael a certain set of mitzvot. So the Torah tells it over as follows: the Torah says that Akosh Baruch commanded Am Yisrael in chok u mishpat, in a set of mitzvahs or a mitzvah which is considered a, a chok, irrational mitzvah, and a mishpat, uh, a mitzvah which is considered rational. Akosh Baruch gave Am Yisrael a taste of of mitzvahs by giving a particular mitzvah, you know, to Tlal which was an example of a chok, an example of a mishpat. So now Chazal want to know what was the mitzvah that he gave them. So there's certain suggestions. One suggestion was that, look, the greatest chok that we have is para aduma, uh, the red heifer, and the concept of how it deals with a person who became Tame by coming into contact with a dead body. And that was the actual chok that uh, was given. Others uh, point to mishpat as being setting up courts of law, you know, where everything is adjudicated and judged based on principles, logical principles, halachic principles. Um, there's there's a there's a suggestion that Shabbos was was uh, communicated that at that point in time as a chok of sorts, maybe with a little bit of rationale to it. And then you have another suggestion that kibud Avaim was was given there you know, at that particular time. That's where Kibbutz HaVaim was, was introduced, you know, at that time in Mara, you know, at towards the end of Pashat B'Shalach. So, Rav Yosef Engel has a great question. He says, why do you think that Kibbutz HaVaim is such a good example of Mishpat? Mm-hmm. After all, one can suggest, look, it's obvious our parents gave us what we could never get and that is life and therefore we have to be grateful for the life that our parents gave us for bringing us into this world that's why one has such reverence and the mitzvah of kibbutz avaim because we are grateful to what they did for us to which of Yosef engel asks well i don't understand the gomorrah just told us that it was better that we weren't created
0: mm-hmm.
1: So what kind of gratitude do you have to your parents when they bring you into the world? You say, you know, mom, dad, thanks, but no thanks. You brought me here to fail. At least the probability is greater that I'm failed and then i pass. So never mind, I'm not thanking you. You know, I'm suing you. I, that's, the, that's the question he has. So he then comes up with such an insightful answer. So he says, it works like this, he says. He says the Bala make a comment on, on that Gemara with regard to Kibbutz avaim which uh, Schwab hinted to here, he quoted here. And that is that um, the Bala say, look, what kind of person are we talking about which shouldn't have been created? You know, a person who's not going to pass the test, a person who's a wicked person, an evil person, who's got more Averot than Mitzvahs. That's the person we're talking about Noah, but a tzaddik who's got more mitzvahs than a to that person, you know, ashray horav, or you know, praiseworthy or his parents, but ashray dorav, and praiseworthy is his generation. Uh, an expression similar to that. So, um, so says the Rav Yosef Engel, so the Toshibah is telling us that this idea that a person should demonstrate gratitude to their parents he says well it depends on who you are if you're a tzaddik then it was good for you to be created if you're a russia then it was terrible for you to be created so he says very cleverly like this so if you're a tzaddik is a mishpat because why do you have to thank Akosh Baruchu? Because he brought you into the world and it was a good idea. You know, but if you're a Russia, then kiburavayim is a chok because you shouldn't have been brought to you in the first place. You know, because you were brought to fail. So, so why were you created? Oh, it's in the hands of Hashem. We don't know. Chok. Mm-hmm. So Joseph Engel says, when the, when the Medrash Chazal says, based on the pasuk, that Akosh Baruch gave klal Yisrael and it talks about kiburavayim, don't learn the Midrash that the Torah, that the, that, that the Torah is telling you that Kibbutz is Avahim is a Mishpat. No. Akosh Baruch gave you Chok paraduma Mishpat, let's say, Dinim or Shabbos. And he also gave you Chok Mishpat, one Mitzvah which can be either depending on you are. It's your job to turn Kibbutz into Avahim into a Mishpat. So become a Tzaddik and therefore it's a Mishpat. You have, then you owe your parents' gratitude. So it's kind of a Chok half and Mishpat then. It depends on you, how Kibidavaim can be. You now, that's his that's his kind of a, that's his to take on on this on this idea. It's very sharp. So what we're saying over here is is that it gives us an understanding that when you look back, maybe that's why they had to discuss it for so long, you know, mm-hmm. to come and work out. So what are we saying? Is the whole world Nechtam vita? Because what are we talking about? How many people are tzaddikim? How many people are roshayim, Chok We're being eh?
2: We're being
1: So being a bainoni, you know, can be a great place to be <laughs> until you come to a certain chuva. Because on Rosh Hashanah, so the bainoni now is left in abeyance, waiting until Yom Kippur, and then to be judged. So if you don't take the opportunity to get further on in bainoni, you're going to slide back into, you're going to lose because not doing chuvah is then going to count against you. So it's not so simple being a bainoni, you know, at, <laughs> and that... Uh,
0: we're not, we're we're not studying.
1: Yeah, but I'm saying at some point in time, there's a call has to be made. So all you've bought is 10 days, you know, but um, in the end of the day, from the longest point of view, is it better for humanity to have be been created? Yes or no? Answer no. There's been more destruction, there's been more evil than there has been good. You know, that's why every time there's a nice story they put on the internet and, and, and say, so, oh, so nice to be refreshed about good things in humanity again. Because what you're hearing most of the time is, is terrible, awful stuff. Right? That's, that's, the, that's the problem. So, so if, you, you know, if you just take, uh, I remember learning this in history, if you take, uh, oh, I was still in the 20th century when I learned this, but um, when you take the 20th century and you look at it, three people, you know, Stalin, Hitler, Mao Zedong, are all responsible, between the three of them, for over 100 million deaths. Just three people. Right? So according to various history books, Martin Gilbert's history book, the second world war took 46 million people down right according to the history books with regard to stalin and the purges there were 50 million plus people down and i don't know you never know what goes on in china right but uh put it this way Mao Zedong said he, he, it was worth hundred thousand Chinese dead you know to create the communist platform so i don't know how many he actually took but just Hitler and Stalin alone, if those figures are accurate, you know, you're getting close to 90 million people, you know, almost 100 million people. So that's probably more deaths than the entire civilization of mankind from the beginning to then. You just couldn't kill people that fast, you know. You know, like Rabbi One always likes to say, your hand gets tired. You know, you know, you can only swing the sword so much right? that. That's the kind of that, that's what what people would be reflecting. On, you know, so. As a result of the fact that humanity has lost the moral high ground, and therefore it's not such a good idea to have been created. That's apparently why the brochures about thank you for creating me are phased in the negative. I'm not sure if you like that interpretation, but that's what he writes over here.
0: So, does, so just, in, so when we make the bracha, shah sani so
1: there it's, it's reflecting, um, even though the, you know, even though you are exempt from certain mitzvot, you know, it's a, it's a positive way of saying that, Hakosh Barucho has his reasons for doing it. So, in other words, the celebration of a man is that he's got the most amount of mitzvot possible. And, and that, I guess, highlights the nature of what each guy is able to achieve. But the brocha shasani kirtzono is like saying, well, what do you think? Akosh Baruch made a mistake. No, Akosh Baruch created us that even though there are certain mitzvot less than a man that we are obligated to do, it's all alpi the gzayra of Akosh Baruch So... That's what Asher reflects. Yeah, you're actually at the top of the page. Um, the brocha made by a woman is Yashanik which reflects the fact that women are exempt from certain mitzvot. The different natures of men and women require a difference in the mitzvot needed to elevate them and bring them closer to the So as an example, if a man would fail to put on tevilin, he would be considered a karkafta delomanach tevilin. Uh, a karkafta is like a skull. And would be a poshaya Yisrael bugufo one who is severely lacking Yirat shamayim. However, a woman is not only exempt from this mitzvah, as the mitzvah says, she has mangrama, um, but would be frowned upon for putting on trillion A woman can have the same Yirat shamayim as a man without her putting on trillin. So the purpose of the fulfillment of all mitzvahs is to form a bond with a Baruch The performance of mitzvahs with love creates this bond. This is meant... The Um, the mitzvot are a means of bringing a person close to Hashem. If a man, having been commanded by Hashem to put on and tevilin, does not do so, or if he fails to perform any other mitzvah, which he is obligated to do, he lacks the connection with the Baruch Hu, which these mitzvahs would create. Men, by their nature, require more mitzvahs to bring them close to God. However, women were created with an innate nature which is more in accordance with the will of Hashem than men. They do not require the same corrections as men do to bring them close to God. Shasani kitsono means he has made me in accordance with his will, which means that women do not require all the mitzvahs which men do to achieve. That's a. A similar thought, he writes, is expressed by Rabbi Dr. Eli, Eli uh, Munk in the world of, of prayer. And the same idea applies to Talmud Torah, from which women are exempt. To be sure, a woman must learn the laws of the mitzvahs in order to do them properly, and it is therefore required that she say, because Torah in Shachris, however, learning for the sake of learning, just to occupy one's mind with intricacies of Torah, even if the practical application of the law is already known, is limited to men. A woman who learns Torah does not become greater in Yerashamayim because of it. True, she may be become very learned in Torah, but this is not the object of Talmud Torah. A woman may become a great philosopher or scientist, but Torah is not philosophy of science, or science. Torah is the way Akash Baruch Hu communicates with us. If a man is a great Talmud Chocham, having learned entire Talmud, and has not become a greater Shamayim, the learning has not achieved its goal, its purpose. If a woman were to learn and know Gomorrah just as well as a man, it still would not make her one iota better than she is. It would have no influence on her relationship with Akosh Baruch. Shasani Kirzunov means that a woman does not need Talmud Torah to come close to Akosh Baruch. A woman can even have prophecy, the closest possible relationship to Akosh Baruch, without learning Torah. That's an interesting uh, perspective, right, on, on how you see it.
0: Um, I mean, I can understand, like, why always in general, but why in general? Let's say um, for men, it's, they need more commandments to bring them closer necessarily just because they're not, let's say, as naturally disposed Spiritual. to, to yeah, spirituality. But um, to say that, um, you know, if a woman is a, is a you know, to Talmud Torah, if she learns Torah, that won't affect her closeness to Akkadosh Baruch Hu, I just don't see that that necessarily follows. Like I believe that a, a woman doesn't necessarily need to be, you know, Talmud Torah in order to be close with Hakadosh Baruch. There's other avenues, but <coughs> surely in learning Torah, um, that does bring you closer. Does you know, um, to Talmud Torah and makes you feel spirituality more in your life and the meaning behind the mitzvahs that you do.
1: Yeah, look, it's a good point. I mean, Talmud Torah as a vehicle. To bring you closer to ideas, which impact the way you, as a person, grow and develop, that that kind of Talmud Torah, you know, is um, is definitely worth its its weight in gold because you can you can then through the ideas learn to try and you know uh, refine your personality, develop midot, etc. But but. It acts as a vehicle. It's not. It's not. It's not there as a mitzvah in and of itself for you to perform. So what I think Rabbi Shua was trying to say is that, yes, of course, a person needs to know the rubrics of what it is to become an Eved Hashem and connected to Kosh Hu, and generally that comes from Talmud Torah. But the actual, you know, bare bones, the neat mitzvah of Talmud Torah, if it would affect a person's Yirat Shamayim then you would expect a woman to be obligated in it. It would be unfair to say to a woman, why don't you achieve this level of faith and emunah, um, and then tell you that you're not obligated in Talmud Torah, and create a whole system which for for many, many centuries um, did not provide an official curriculum of Torah study. The assumption must be that a woman, through her own innate nature, will be drawn to people who will... Uh, be text people as opposed to text books that will teach you what it is to be a mensch and there's the combination of your innate understanding and examples that are set for you together obviously with a certain amount of discussion and learning all that will help, will 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 um, get you to the level of Yirat shamayim that, uh, that if a man followed the same route, would not achieve Yirat shamayim on the same level
2: So sorry, can I just clarify then there's a difference there's a differentiating with Talmud Torah is not the same as Limud Torah there's Limud Torah and then there's the actual mitzvah of Talmud Torah that's the point is it?
1: Um, well you could say it like that way but um, I mean Talmud Torah and Limud Torah are just conjugations of the same verb but but what, what we're saying is as follows that the Talmud Torah that a woman engages in is a facilitator toward the actual fulfillment of all the mitzvahs that everyone is, that the women are obligated in. So the, the Talmud Torah is a facilitator. It's a Heksha mitzvah. It's a preparatory stage to know what to do. And that t- in th- that type of Talmud Torah, both men and women are equally obligated in. Because right, but it's not the
2: not, mitzvah of Talmud Torah.
1: Yeah, the, where the mitzvah is, where there's no practical ramification or direct practical ramification. So there, the, the, the mitzvah of Talmud Torah, where you learn subject matter, which has got no practical relevance whatsoever. That kind of Talmud Torah does a fortune for a guy's personality, but does not do nearly as much for a woman's personality. That's what he's trying to say, and... That's the understanding of the nature of the mitzvah of Talmud Torah when you compare it men men to women. So, so that you know, yeah, that's basically the, the, the way that you can explain what he's, what he's basically driving at. Yeah. So this is this is um, so just to summarize where we are at here, we've we've basically uh, we, we read the two articles last week which gave us, you know, the, the two opposite uh, spectra or sides of the coin with regard to the Brocha of Shiloha Sanisha. So Rabbi Wawalski represented uh, those Rabbonim who to this day feel, you know, feel bad for women and feel uncomfortable about the bracha and, uh, and find that the bracha being said in the negative is take insulting. Um, what they do about it, is is a little, um, you know, each person has to work within their community. So some might say the brocha quietly, some might even suggest that you shouldn't say the brocha. Um, I saw that there was actually by Rabbi Hertz, who was a, uh, the chief rabbi in England, um, he had a nusach where he said that men and women should say both <laughs> You know, that you'd say, Shalom uh, Asani Isha, Visha Asani And the woman would flip it. Mm -hmm. You know, so that that, you know that was an interesting way of doing things. But you know, I guess that you know, I think there's a there's a group of rabbonim you know who would who would who are upset about the the negative connotations about all the brochas, but especially the one the one for woman. And then then there are, I guess, the classic uh, people who accept the explanations that traditional Yiddish has presented, where it's not trying to be um, insulting. It's trying to highlight the uniqueness of the man's personality by saying, you need all these mitzvahs, and you're obligated in all these mitzvahs. And uh, and Shasana Kirsten is not just trying to be like a you know, a tzidu as if you're going to a funeral to, you know, to lament the fact that you were created a woman, um, but rather it's specifically focused on why it is that a certain personality, a feminine personality, was given less mitzvot than a, than a, than a man. Um, so you've got these two different viewpoints and, you know, they argued out with each other. Um, you know, there's anecdotal evidence, or there, you know, as we saw in the in the article from Rabbi Wolowelski and other Abonim in his camp, that, that a lot of that there have been a, a number of people who've been really upset by this and turned off turned off Yiddishkeit by this. And anyway, that's that's there. Rabbi Feldman's viewpoint is that okay, there's casualties by misunderstanding in lots of areas, and that, that doesn't justify changing something that Chazal. You know, mandated, um, and so you're left with a kind of a debate as to where to go with this brocha, eh? and um, we we then try to work out can we find a perspective on why it was cast in the negative, and this is a an, a great source to to contemplate a perspective on it, whether one accepts it or not. You know, it's all up to you, but at least here there's a a as to that's from the classic sources as to why it is praised in the in the negative um yeah so i think i guess you we all stuck with the fact that this is the bracha that's been accepted and um you know i don't know i think you know the societies that we mix in are generally more accepting of this than you know the modern orthodox world in uh in america you know so i don't know maybe i'm wrong maybe there are people over here who who uh who are upset about this bracha but um I don't know. I think most most people in Sydney would be, let's call it, you know, a bit more conservative with a small C in terms of the diff- the levels of hashkafic divide within the community. You know, um, with, without trying to um, be too facetious over here, but in Sydney, halavai, the woman would know about the brochure to be upset about it. You know, that, uh, that, that, that that's kind of a you know, because in the end of the day, there's like uh, two dozen ladies who are davening on a regular if at, you know, if you don't go to the schools. But out of, out of school, how many ladies are davening shachris every morning to know about the brocha Not that that's the reason, I'm just trying to make a point that, uh, you know, Halavai would have people davening, you know, where this would be an issue because people are davening. So, um, so I don't know. I, I, you know, Our job was to present the case and not uh, not necessarily to have to argue one way or the other. but um, And the only other thing I could probably add is that sometimes, I wonder, sometimes language makes, uh, sometimes language, the way it's presented, mm. it changes in different generations. Mm. So in the times of the Gomorrah, where you said, Chilo Asani isha, there were so many other connotations involved. So just again, reading some history. Um, in a non jewish society, if you were living in, in ancient Greece, right? Or Roman times, and you were and you asked somebody, you know, if you could come back as some reincarnated soul, would you choose man or woman? Well, what, what, what would you choose? I think 90% of people would say, please bring me back as a man, please. Because the woman's status in the world at the time, you know, was pretty harsh. And so in the end of the day, I don't know if you can read such a pshat into into what was going on, but the language might might uh, might might be you know influenced by that.
0: Just look at the mortality rates mm. of women. So yeah,
1: childbirth. you know childbirth, and and I say among the you know among the goyim, especially um, among let's let's say among Christians for sure, right? Um, the the lahabdil, the Christian view of woman is not very nice. Right? They didn't call Chava Eve. Evil. Because Eve comes from evil. So, you, you know, you get where they're coming from, right? Mm-hmm. So, again, I'm not just coming out to justify but I am saying is that in those days, you know, if you'd ask somebody who's got the harder life, you'll say, the woman's got the harder time. Therefore, if I have a choice, I don't want the hard time. Mm-hmm. Now, i would have no way of knowing i mean none of the classic Mephorshim was saying that that was what is behind the broker what was behind the broker is this idea that there are two spiritual personalities created there's the, fe- the feminine side and the male side you know the man and the woman two different personalities and the world of mitzvah you know is is heightened tremendously in the area of of men because apparently that's what we need uh, and one should not think that as a result of that, that women are any less. How do you state that without saying it in a, in a very negative way? So some say, say it in the positive. And maybe, maybe that's true in our day and age, as we're sitting here today. Yeah, if you, we, we, we talk very PC, you know? So we would say, why do you have to say it in the negative? You know, that's, that's how... But maybe in those days, it wasn't like that.
2: Yeah. Overthinking it, like obviously it wasn't their intention. So why don't we just go with that? Like why do you have to think, oh, but maybe this, maybe that? And then nowadays, like obviously, yeah. So that, that's
1: announced. a point. If, you know, if somebody could prove to everybody out there this wasn't Hazal's intention to get it wrong, you know, like you say, let it go. But we we normally have we normally have more uh, expectations from from Ghazal. We we don't just want to let it go. We want to know that something unique is here, something. Something very deep is being communicated here, and so you want you want the lashon of Chazal to be, uh, you know, to be used and celebrated, not just tolerated.
2: Yeah. Can I say something? Um, Rav Shach wrote for the Hassam Sofa. who said that if you put it in the positive, it's limiting. It's a definition that doesn't necessarily come to pass. Like you can thank Hashem for not making you a non-Jew and for giving you the opportunity to be a Jew, but only you can really define how much of a Jew you're going to be and how much you're going to make it. So you can't say who's made me a Jew. It's like too limiting. So all the negatives are like these opportunities you've been given, but the positive is up to you to build. So you can't actually say it's like not a finished product. So you like Hashem can make you be born not like not a non-Jew, but only you yourself by your mitzvahs, by the way you live life, can develop yourself into a Jew.
1: Yeah, yeah, but again, if you hold that being born a Jew, anyway, is not of your making. The fact that you got a Jewish neshama is Hashem's choice. So, because Baruch made you a Jew, which means He elevated you from among the nations of the world, and. It's for that, oh, right? That so
2: you're born with particular responsibilities and opportunities, but up to you to take Yonashama advantage Shama, of those
1: opportunities. Yonashoma is uh, of a of a unique quality. So if if you hold that that's true, then already from the word go, even without doing anything, there's what to praise baruchu for. So even if we haven't reached, that's why the praise
2: is negative. It is praise. That's no, no, the point.
1: Praise should be you know, the praise should be that Shasani Israel. Because wow, Akosh took me. From, I could have been born a guy, and I wouldn't have had the spiritual opportunity and and you know that I that I do have. So I'm thanking Akosh Baruch for the neshama that he gave me and the, and the opportunity that it comes with. How good I am as a Jew. Okay, that 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 takes development, but I don't I don't know if it's a definitive a definitive answer. So. Look, I mean, all these insights are good. You know, whatever I just think that in our day and age, the the, le- the negative language is something that we aren't used to hearing and therefore maybe more open to, you know, to insult or improvement, you know, if you had to edit it yourself. In other words, if you never knew if you never knew what we what we know with regard to the world of mitzvah, and you wanted to say, I want to praise Baruch Hu for what he created, I would probably guess that we would all Put it in the positive
0: once we're overthinking it though <laughs> <laughs> if if we're saying that okay in the time of chazal then there's they're saying you know if you had to had, had to choose which would you be a man or a woman then of course be a man obviously but in this day and age women have never had it better then again, for sure put it in the positive but isn't that getting lazy would a person who says that say oh no it's it's all equal now it's definitely just as easy either way I would
1: get very angry at a person who said that yeah you know, I, I personally don't agree with you I think that That's it you know it is a it is a hard job I think that femininity you know you know I think since again adam and Gan Eden, the nature of you know womanhood you know especially with raising children is tough mm-hmm. I don't I, I agree with you I think most people mm-hmm. today even today you'd say <laughs> That if I had to compare whose life is tougher, you know, I would definitely give the prize to you.
2: Yeah, we're still giving birth. Yeah. Not to mention.
1: Yeah. Look, as you know, it's not the same as it was in those days, you know, Baruch Hashem, you know. Some it,
2: people say the women is spiritually higher, and that's what we don't need them. It's
1: what to yeah. I think that's clear. It's, it's so clear that a woman's yeah. personality is, is it has much more proclivity to spirituality than a man's. That we have got a much stronger yaitzohora to all things that move. You know, there's no question that we are attracted to so much, and it's part of that uh, you know that force that a put in us, where there's so much ambition and ego tied up with our personalities that it gets us into trouble much more than it does uh, a woman. A woman is is designed very differently. And as we mentioned in that uh, in that that that, that kaddish, mm-hmm. you know that a woman was the last to be created, and it's the top of the pyramid spiritually. Mm-hmm. Now we don't want, we don't want to say that to be apologetic or to make you feel good. I think it's true. I think that the nature of a woman's personalities is designed with a lot more kadusha innately inside there. Um, but having said all that, it is, it is interesting how this brocha was, you know, these brochas were, were recited.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and that, um, and that, you know, I, yeah, so not being a, a woman, I can't really tell you how I, how I would feel about this, <laughs> but you're all, you all able to say how if this ever bothered you. And um, and I would say, probably, if I'm generalising, that the average, more than the average, from women, isn't that bothered? Mm-hmm. Unless I'm wrong, I don't, I don't know. Like I questioned it when
0: I was like 13 in school, because all my friends were thinking about it, and
1: I think a lot of I think it. a lot of men question it too, like mm-hmm. people who are genuinely sensitive people, and you know, don't, don't like putting anybody down, so they wouldn't say.
0: But it's, not, it's different, but not equal. All, right?
1: Yeah, correct. I mean, that would be your justification or explanation. and You know, but, um, yeah. So, the
2: 21st, 20th and 21st century lens, we look at things through a lens of equality, but that's not the intention or the... That's, not, yes, that that's is, a new thing. That's a new yeah. lens. That's not the truth. It's diff- It's different. Yeah. Um, well, there's certain. You know, there's certain. Different. Yeah. Differences are not e- equal. Yeah. So we look through a lens.
1: Well, ma- maybe that. Maybe that is one of the lessons that Chazal were trying to put across to us through creating these brachas. That you would see an inequality. Mm-hmm. In other words, you'd see a difference that is so stark. Mm-hmm. You know, that would force you to discuss why it is that 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 you know a man's role is like this and a woman's role is like that. I
0: think yeah. I'm not a man. Seriously, dumbing 22 times a week, it's not in a million. Have thought a a about
1: it in terms of weeks?
0: That's
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: true. Yeah. yeah but it's true. Well, I would I would basically say to you that from my yeah. point of view, like you know, just a personal touch on this, <laughs> I would say that. To me, the, the hardest mitzvah is this time with Torah business.
2: You? Yeah. What about Be- the rest
1: of us? No, no, because because, <laughs> uh, no, because you've got an no obligation to do it. So,
2: no.
1: you know, when, when, when I, I've said this a number of times, when I come home and I'm exhausted, you know, and you sit on the couch, you have, you know, you have something to eat, you sit down on the couch, you want to just chill, you know, there's this finger poking you in the rib saying, you know, man, you got to go and study. I don't want to study. I want to just chill, you know? Um, and so, and a guy's got every spare moment that we have, we are being judged on whether we are learning or not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whereas, and it's not good enough for us to say, well, I know what to do. Yeah. You know, whereas, whereas women can say, I'm chilling now. I had a hard day with the kids, you know, <laughs> and, I, and I know how to keep Shabbos. I so I don't have to go over Bishul and Borer. I know. I did it a hundred times, I know exactly what's going on, you know, if something new comes up, let me know. If there's a new Nespresso Nespresso machine that's got a borrower problem, you let me know, you know, but I know the basics, enough to keep Shabbos, and I have no need to go and, uh, you know, learn Masecha Shabbos now. So if a woman knows exactly what she needs to do, she can retire to the couch, read her book, you know, and wish us all well, off to the Beisam Adrash. (laughs) <laughs> you know that's a very it's a very difficult mitzvah to keep the fact that we don't yeah. keep it is, is something else but it really is a hard because you've always got this conscience on your head you know am mm-hmm. i doing the right thing you go on holiday and you know everyone wants to relax take time off you know and now i'm thinking wow you know i'm playing tennis <laughs> going to the you know going for a swim yeah. maybe i should be learning you know and, then, and there's no issue of that on, on, your, on your side because there's no mitzvah there. You know, so if, if, if a guy takes Talmud Torah seriously, again, I, I, you know, I have a sense of humor. I'm not trying to compare Talmud Torah to childbirth, you know, but, but, but it is a constant issue that's on you all the time. That, you know, without comparing or anything, it is, for a Froom Jew guy, it's hard, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So, some people have, you know, Baruch Hashem, got good midas and they've jumped into it and it's become very natural and you just do it. I've gone to Shul, you don't even ask, you just get up and you go, it's raining, it's cold, it's early, that's what, that's what a Froom guy does, you know, you go to Shul. So you do get used to it, just like a, a you know, just like a woman has provided the tools, Baruch Hu, to deal with whatever you have to deal with, you know. Um, but it's much, much easier to, to be to do the things that we are naturally, you know, built to do. Ironically, we are told that even though we have the nature to do something, the fact that there's a command over there, there's a greater Yetzirah. So Hashem gives you the tools to do it, and then gives you the Zayat Aura, you know, to make it even more spicy. You know that there's always this thing that's on your it's on your case. Anyway, so yeah, we just you know I leave it there just as as a, as a, a you know attempt to try and at least get some sort of understanding as to why the bracha is in the negative. You are welcome to research other opinions, or whatever it is, and uh, and you know and share them. Um, but uh, we should probably write it up and, and summarize the viewpoints, so that uh, you know, as a as a, as a Shira group, we have something tachless, you know, to uh, to look back on, you know. And then on the group, we can add potentially to to chidushim on this particular bracha, you know. So um, and in general, to the stuff that we uh, that we had, we should try and work something on. All right, so. Um, I can't remember, but I think this is the end of the series. Is this? Yes, I Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Okay. So the series is is basically ended. But if you are keen, we can maybe pick it up again uh, and continue, but uh, on the same on the same same vein, pick up mitzvahs and. Issues that are you know girl sensitive and see how we uh see how we deal with them. Yeah. So if you want to you want to you want to do that, we can yeah. WhatsApp each other on the group and make uh make it. I don't, I don't know when school holidays is, yeah. um, uh, like two weeks,
0: weeks. yeah, about
1: two weeks' time, yeah. Okay, so yeah. we can we can we can either <laughs> go until then or we can. Pick up from then next month after the holidays. Mm-hmm. We all come back, and then we can, uh, you know, go through the seder some more if you want, or mm-hmm. pick one or two other dinim that uh, you know. Through dinim, the yeah. seder, we'll meet a whole lot of dinim. You know, mm-hmm. this whole discussion on Talmud Torah is a classic discussion. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: well, there are also um, a bunch of mamrechazal just. Regarding women, or about, or mentioning
1: women, or something like that, that could be helpful. Yeah. All right. So you you like the yeah. the subject matter, the yes. way that we do it. Okay. Good. So um, all right. So we'll communicate on the WhatsApp group how we how we go forward. Thank you. Okay. Shkoyach, everyone. Thanks Thank for you. participating.
0: Thank
1: you. Um,